So I am here in Los Angeles with Alex Lee Moyer, who is releasing a documentary very shortly called TFW No GF. And this documentary is extremely interesting because it addresses a subculture, a particular cultural moment that is extremely difficult to talk about. It doesn't really have much public consciousness. It's it's hard to even explain what is really being addressed here. And so the very beginning of this conversation, we spend a fair bit of time just trying to figure out what exactly the movie is about. A lot of people are calling this movie the incel movie. And in part, it's it has something to do with that. But really, it's about a much larger phenomenon. It's about a much larger kind of uh, extremely online young male subculture that is much more complicated, much more nuanced than just incels. In fact, not even all of the people are necessarily incels. Sometimes they have girlfriends, sometimes they don't. And the the, the stakes are much larger. The What is of interest in this movie is, is much larger. Um, I just want to give people a heads up that precisely because there's so little content out there that really tries to take an honest and objective look at what's going on in the lives of, of these young men and what they're really all about, what they're doing and, and why they're doing it, what they're thinking and, and how they're living because there's so little content. And this is the first movie to really address it in a serious and honest way. Uh, we have to spend the first 30 minutes or so just kind of sussing out what exactly is the, the object of analysis in this movie. Um, anyway, I just think this movie is uh, really exciting. People should really watch this movie because pretty much no one out there is trying to take an honest look at what's going on, what's going on in the lives of so many uh, of, a, of a particular type of, of young man uh, kind of negotiating their their life in large part on the internet. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, for the most part. Well, you know, TFW No Girlfriend is just like, it's, that's all it is, it's just a meme. So you can't make a movie about like just a meme is that you have to look below the surface. Well, there's a... You know, a dichotomy. You can't talk about Wojak without talking about like Pepe, because they they go together. That's the duality of man. Is that you have the Pepe and you have the Wojak, and the Pepe is sort of like you know it's your troll self, it's your you know public persona, and it's like you being cocky and saying all this crazy shit and being smug and being ironic and you know getting under people's skins and sort of being cool about things. And then on the other half, we all have the Wojak, who's like our private self who, you know, isn't like that at all, who's like very depressed, who feels like inadequate, who, you know, uh, can't fulfill his own goals, who, you know, has all these feelings that he can't manage. And this is like what social media is helping to create, is like the fragmentation of our, our personalities. So when you go online and you're trolling, you're the Pepe, but really inside, you're the Wojak that nobody, nobody really knows about. So we can all become Wojak, like in our moments of desperation. You know, he represents when we feel like we're nothing. With that as a little bit of uh, intro, Alex, thank you for hanging out with me tonight on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I don't do many live podcasts, so. I've never been on a podcast before. Ever. This is it. Really? Wow. Here I've it is. I'm flattered. The Other Life podcast is very special. To have this up-and-coming 
soon to be extremely famous filmmaker. Come at me, bro. <laughs> so TFW, no GF. I had the pleasure and privilege of getting to see an advance cut of the movie. Mm. And so other people listening to this and watching this won't yet have access to the movie. But it's roughly about incels. Is that how you would describe it? Or is it about something kind of larger than that? I don't think the movie's about incels because I don't think that incels exist. Um, but I acknowledge that in speaking about the movie, I should just say it's about incels because to say anything else would be like so clunky and annoying right. that um, it it pe- we people would be turned off immediately. Right, exactly. So incels is kind of the easiest way to summarize what it's about, but... One of the things that you learn watching the movie that I thought was kind of interesting is that a lot of these young men who you talk with are, they don't really fit the mold of what most people have in their mind when they think about incels. I would say, were you going to say something or? No, I'm just processing. Yeah, yeah. Um, In fact, some of them occasionally do have girlfriends. Is that right? Well, it depends on, you know, it's all relative, right? Like what somebody considers a girlfriend might not be a girlfriend to somebody else. Right. Okay. Maybe the best way is to, is to back up and for me to ask you just roughly, how did you even um, start getting acquainted with some of these young men who are seen as kind of representatives of this sort of incel culture or phenomenon? Well, when I started doing this, I wasn't thinking in terms of people being incel or not, because believe it or not, like, that wasn't really a word that people were using. I mean, I'm kind of a late adopter, so obviously people on message forums like Reddit and 4chan and, like, were using that word, but, like, I was just, like, I I was, like, I just stumbled into it, like, totally innocently, and for me, I think what I was observing more was just, like, sad posting um, because maybe psychologically I was at a point in my life where that was relatable to me. And um, I just kind of stumbled into that world. There were things that happened before uh, where I guess I got, you know, where I got red-pilled. Again, cringe, clunky language that, you know, I don't have anything better to use. But, like, um, I, I didn't realize straight off the bat that, like, I was dealing with people who were all sort of like from the same demographic, guys usually between, you know, 18 to 25, 30 tops. Um, For all I knew, they were people in their 40s. They were women. Who knows? But then I kind of started to glean that like, oh, these are all dudes. And like they basically became kind of interchangeable in like – the tweets and everything, but there were a few people that stood out and there were a few accounts that, um, they were just funny and they just resonated with me. And I just, um, I just felt like there was so much conversation going on around like the alt right and what people thought that was and around like racism and misogyny. And like, that really wasn't, I just felt like they weren't really seeing the bigger picture, which was like, that there were like a lot of really just sort of jaded, disaffected young people online, and um, I just sought out the accounts that I thought were the funniest. And coming from like a film background, I was like, "Well, I just want to interview these people." So when was that that you first got acquainted with this culture on the internet? 
Um, twenty. It was twenty seventeen. And this was you online in your own personal capacity? Like, were you active on somewhere like 4chan or where? Well, what was it specifically? Well, what happened was I edited this movie called The New Radical about Cody Wilson, um, who is famous in, or infamous for being kind of, you know, uh, the main prol proliferator of um, open source uh, 3D printed gun 3D printed gun guy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I worked on that movie, and then subsequently, the director of that film, Adam Balolo, started working on a movie about the alt-right called Alt-Right Age of Rage, which I started out as the editor on. And when you're the editor on a documentary, in some ways you're the co-director because there's no script. You basically just get a bunch of shit dumped on you, and you kind of have to, like, parse it out. So I did started doing a lot of research, and it was a lot of it was kind of new to me. But Cody had kind of turned me on to like, like Compot, for instance. I met like way before I even knew what any of this shit was. So how did you meet Compot? Through Cody Wilson. Okay. Um, when we were touring with um, the New Radical, but I cut something for Alt Right, and it was pre Charlottesville, and so like Gavin McGinnis is in it, Richard Spencer's in it, and you know, I started doing research and I started finding like more interesting accounts like TV Qua, you know, and, you know, some of these more ironic accounts. And I was like, dude, everyone's missing the point. There's smart people on here and it's not all about racism and it's not all about like, you know, trying to fuck everyone over. Like some of it is actual like genius. And like in doing that and in acknowledging that, I was just immediately rejected from like, the whole Hollywood, like, establishment. Like, okay. I edited something together for alt-right, and they came back to me, and they said, this is too cool. It can't be cool. It can't be ironic. Um, it needs to basically be, like, I don't want to say cucked, but, like, <laughs> that's what they wanted it to be. And, you know, if Adam is watching this, like, sorry. Like, you know <laughs> what happened, bro. So I, you know, we kind of had, I kind of, like, split from that movie and thought, well, how do I take this meme culture and how do I take what I'm observing, which is a subcultural movement, which I don't have any words for, but I know that it's, there's something there. Like, how do I take that and make a movie that's not so fucking, like, negative and not about, like, corny-ass people like Richard Spencer and actually acknowledge it as a subculture, just like punk would be a subculture, you know, or, or goth or, you know, anything. Okay, that's interesting, yeah, because... A lot of people will call this, oh, the incel movie. But really, in your view, it's about this much larger subculture of young men who have difficult lives, who are turning to the internet as a way to find other people to to have something in common with? Or how would you characterize it if it's not all about inceldom? Well, the incel thing came later, and that's just another... It's a It was a media creation. Mm. But, like, what we're dealing with is one of, like, the oldest stories ever told um there's this book i don't know if you've heard of it it's called the catcher in the rye sure um <laughs> it was written like i don't know i guess like in the 60s or something by this okay. guy um but it's about this kid salinger right who's basically so intelligent that he's completely jaded on the world around him and it's not really so much about that he can't fuck 
I mean, he gets, he gets a hooker, right? He gets the hooker in the room, and then he just wants to have a conversation with oh, her. Yeah. Right. And to me, that's the real essence of the movie that I was trying to make. And But at the time, like, you know, it got to a point where the only way where I could garner any support from, like, normie, kind of, like, Hollywood, you know, people was to just call it the incel movie because then at least they had some fucking touchstone, you know? And uh-huh. it's not like, you know, it's not like the guys in my movie have all, like, it's not, like, all a lie, right? Like, but I think it's just, a just it's a movie about a general, maybe at least a psychological perception of alienation, um, mm. but how through that alienation, they've basically formed a subculture with each other that has become sort of like maybe like a support mechanism for each other, but also, you know, in effect become kind of like a in, like an intellectual channel for people who otherwise would go like unrecognized. An intellectual channel, right? An opportunity. Well, intellectual, but maybe they're but I know just you mean. funny. You yeah, know? I know what you mean. A- an opportunity to uh, express themselves and, and in a way cultivate themselves, kind of develop um, develop whether it be writing or speaking or develop developing a kind of creative a creative personality, really. Yeah, and I don't I don't even know like I mean some of the people maybe were doing that deliberately who were in my film. Excuse me, drinking beer. Um, there's five people in this movie. Some of those people are a little bit more calculated, you know, and some of those people are just fucking bored and smart. And they're not really trying to do anything. They're just doing their best and just trying to have a good time because they usually are in scenarios where they don't have peers for whatever reason. Maybe, you know, dropped out of school. Maybe they are burdened by their family situations. Maybe they live in a town. They they basically, there's no models for them. There's no pathways for them that existed maybe, you know, 20 30 years ago that existed when their parents were coming up. So um, this is a way for them to establish some kind of meaning in their lives and some kind of culture because culture is kind of being, you know, hollowed out. Right. Okay. So the film is not so much about incels precisely as much as it's about economically and socially alienated young men in the internet age. Closer. Yeah. Warmer. And another interesting observation is, at least as far as the movie goes, it is white men. Do you think that's by accident, or is there something there? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's just what happened. And there were other people, if I would have had more money and more time, there definitely would have been, ended up being people in this movie who weren't white, you know? Right, sure. And, like, there were definitely times where I went, like... I, there was one guy I wanted to talk to who wasn't white, who was black, who I wasn't really approaching because I didn't know he was black at first. And then, like, then I asked him to be in the movie, and then he posted something online about me asking him to be in the movie. And then he got this like long thread of responses about like being like the token like N word in the, my incel movie or whatever. Mm. And like then that made me self conscious. So it's a little bit like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like yeah, the dudes yeah. are white in the movie, but like. It's almost like such a like f- mood point to me almost. Oh, it wasn't a critique, you know. I don't give a shit about that stuff. I was just curi- yeah. I was just curious if that 
yeah, I was just curious if that means something or uh, if you had any observations on that. But uh, was it was it weird inter- getting to know these young men in, in, in your directorial capacity? Like, how did they feel about being the object of, of analysis? Because in one of the things that I think is most striking about what society calls incels is how shadowy this figure is like most people in the mainstream media don't even really want to know what these people look like, what they sound like, what they're even really referring to when they use the word incel. Um, so it's actually really hard to find any record of, you know, like what, of, of who is an incel? What do they think? What do they talk like? What do they look like? Um, your movie, I think it, one of the reasons I was really interested to talk to you and, and to watch the movie and to talk about the movie is because it's pretty much the, the first real big, um, uh, effort to put the, this type of young man uh, on on display uh, to, to put them under under a kind of uh, microscope to, to understand what exactly is even going on when people refer to this type of young alienated man so I'm just kind of curious like what w- was there anything that was particularly surprising to you in in getting to know these young men or the way that they responded was was there anything surprising or unexpected um well, just to double clarify, mm. like, okay, so I started doing this, like, the first shoot that we did was on New Year's Day of 2017. Oh, no, no, sorry, 2018. Um, and at that point, it wasn't like I'm making a movie about incels. And in fact, in the first interview, the first two interviews we did, the word incel never even came up. Um, so for me, I was like, what it, what what am I looking at? Like, what is this? And how, what's the word for this? And then shortly after like that Alec Manassian shit went down and he's like, I'm an incel. And I was like, wow, I thought incel was just a derogatory term for people on Reddit to describe dudes that were like kind of vaguely men's rights or like bitter about women. Um, So yeah, I mean, it was the, the premise itself is weird. You're going to meet somebody that you just follow their account on Twitter but, you know, I, I went to, like, a big, as an anecdote, that I'm going to loop back around. This yeah. ties in. So, like, I got, uh, there were, there was this huge documentary production company. Um, big deal, big deal. Like, funded by, like, Lorene Powell Jobs, who is Steve Jobs' wife. And they found out about the movie early on, and they had me in for an interview. And they're, t- for me to pitch them, basically, on the project. And, they said, well, weren't you afraid to go and talk to these, like, scary, like, men's rights dudes? And I was like, no, they were probably afraid. And, in fact, like, you know, like, Kyle, for instance, he he was surprised when I showed up to interview him. He thought I was just trolling him. I mean, one thing that you can say almost across the board is that, like, these people are, they're, they're mistrustful for a reason, you know, because they have been demonized. And, like, when some 35-year-old Hollywood, like, chick who's obviously was, like, voted for Obama, like, four years earlier, like, wants to come and talk to you about, like, being an edgelord, like, obviously, like, you're totally suspicious. But then when you get in, like, the real-world situation and, like, I didn't have any funding. I didn't have any support. I was just showing up because I thought they were cool. That's why. So I was a fan. It wasn't for any other reason other than that. But, like... All of that just falls away. All of the media shit. And I'm like, when, when, when you're parked on the corner in El Paso 
and some kid doesn't have enough money for data on his phone so he has to meet you on the corner and it's like the, the 90s or something like you don't know if he's going to show up you can't text him or anything I'm waiting on the street corner when that dude like walks up and meets you like you're not thinking about like some story you saw on MSNBC you're just two people like meeting each other on a street corner in the night going like oh this is fucking weird like let's go get some beers so that we can like act normal um and you know these people like I consider them my equals I consider them my friends and like I just I just like their tweets that's it <laughs> what do you, what do you think the the world at large most misunderstands about this type of young man what what do people get most wrong that that they're not just doing what they're doing for fun. Of course, over the course of this film, like it's changed because what they were doing, I mean, let's just be totally upfront. Like a lot of these people are fallout from like the alt right and from the, the election. Like there are a lot of people that got into politics just to see Donald Trump win and make him win. And like then when it got all corny and overblown and mainstream it immediately became uncool because that's the nature of subculture and like when they got reduced and marginalized they were like okay we're not doing that we have to do something else so this movie is really kind of about the fallout of like the 2016 the whole 2016 deal and like you know if you read like kill all normies by angela nagel or something like in a way like she's still a little bit like on the lefty like side of things like me personally like I'm like politically non-binary but I feel like this sort of picks up where that left off in mm. some ways mm. um what what was the question again oh I was asking you what does the world at large most misunderstand oh about? okay but since then because they are so funny and because they are the nucleus of almost all memes on the internet. And when you look at these feminist Instagram accounts that are posting like, you know, like the the Doomer girl and like Doomer Wojak, like they can pretend all they want. Like they hate like, oh, we hate like cisgender white males, but they're getting all of their content from those dudes. And like, that's just the bottom line. I'm not making that up. Who is this that's taking their content from? Everybody. Tell me more about this. You ever seen a, do you know what a meme is? Sure. I'm just trying to get a sense of what type of young women you're talking about that get their get their content from these young men. Um, I'm not talking. I'm not targeting. First of all, I love women. I'm a woman. Four <laughs> Chan might tell you otherwise, <laughs> but um, I'm just. It's not just women. It's everybody, dude. And even like even like Chapos and shit. Like they're all still getting their content from Four Chan dudes. Like without Four Chan, like. No, there would be nothing funny on the internet. Do you, or have you been active on 4chan? Like, no, I do everything I can to avoid looking at 4chan. Um, but when a more accurate description, I think it, but it's, but it's, you know, again, it's sort of like clunky is that these are guys at the essence of it. This is about dudes who, for whatever reason, had kind of absentee parents who had sort of were compromised socioeconomically, who became autodidactic online, 
and were exposed to every form of pornography, violence, and, you know, the world is ultimately so ironic to them that, like, they base, they're kind of untouchable, you know, psychologically. Like, it's like, the mm. meme wars, like, that's like, that's real shit. Mm. And, like, <laughs> the movie's really about the 4chan generation. And 4chan now is completely, of course, like, mutated. It's gone. It's not really a real thing anymore. Like, again, it's like the subculture thing. It keeps moving. It's like as soon as a thing becomes cognizant of itself, it's a whole, it, they move on. As soon as you can name what something is, it's not cool anymore. Right. And maybe we could even imagine a near future where, let's say your, your movie comes out. It's very splashy, very successful, as I'm sure it will be, as I hope it will yeah. be. We'll see. Then we'll maybe this 4Jan gen generation of young men become the new superstars. And every, all the young girls want to sleep with these kids in your movie. And, th and they start getting fan mail and they're getting you know, uh, enlisted into dude, they already bigger are. movies. Charles is, dude, Charles is already f uh, a legend and icon. One of the characters in your movie. Sure. One of the guys, yeah. But, I mean, and, and Compot's already an icon. Mm -hmm. And maybe in some ways, this movie really, really wasn't about trying to, like, help the incels as much as it was just a desperate bid for Compot's attention. Really? Why did you want his attention so bad? Uh, You know, Weren't you my dad was really busy at work when I was a kid. Um, I never really got his approval. So I'm kind of like sussing out my own psychological issues by trying to get Compot's um, approval of my work because then mm. at that point I can, you know, complete uh, complete the circle and find the other um, half of my psyche. Nice, nice. I, I very much appreciated Compot's appearance in the movie, his, his role in the movie. Shout out to Compot, another um, Other Life podcast alumnus. Compot, uh, uh, Con you came off as very like humane. I, I liked his very kind of, uh, humane. Humane. He's he's like the he's like the uh, the kind of like elder professor of the four chan generation or something like this. I, I like how it came off in the movie. Well, it and that's why I like to avoid. I mean, I will call this movie the incel movie in order to get this movie funded and seen by people. Mm. But I'm doing that in a tongue in cheek way because. I would not feel comfortable reducing somebody like Compot to being an incel. Well, it's easy to see when you watch the movie that this movie is not really about incels. I think that's why this conversation maybe started off uh, just a little bumpy. We it took us some time to find the right words to, to even there describe are no this words. movie. It's yeah, yeah, too fast. Right, exactly, because it it is just the easiest way to summarize the movie to call it the incel movie, and it does get at something like that. But it's easy to see halfway through the movie that. It's actually not about inceldom per se at all, and and uh, it's actually about something much larger, right? But what we what we're not re what we're kind of glossing over, mm. which is sort of like weird, yeah. is that the movie's called Def TFW No GF That Feel When No Girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I haven't decided how I'm going to refer to the film publicly because I. What are the options? Saying internet words out loud, like, right, it's TFW just cringy, like, no matter what you do. It's kind of hard to say, right? I, so I've been calling it, like, that feel when, or, like, but that's still hard. But the way that I approach, okay, first of yeah. all, I'm using the meme to ex to excavate, like, the greater, so it's a case study as told through the lens of this, of this meme, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole point is that, it's not about having a girlfriend. 
It's about feeling outside of the world. Okay. It's like, uh, you know, uh-huh. I, I'm not going to say we live in a society because that's stale. <laughs> but, um, you know, it really is about the meme. And, like, what does the meme mean? And why does the meme continue to persevere? Like, why is Wojak not, like, that SpongeBob meme or, like, Baby Yoda? Like, why is it different? Like, why does Wojak continue to evolve and continue to resonate with people? Um, that's, you know, it sounds like nothing, but, like, that's sort of, like, the thing that's the consistent thread throughout the movie. Uh, for people who don't know Wojak off the top of their mind, Wojak is the meme of the very kind of uh, generic gray face that looks... Can we throw up of, a Can we throw up a picture of Wojak, please? Yeah, we'll have Ben add, we'll have ben add that in later in, in post. Uh, is Wojak still... Uh, I'm sorry, is Wojak still hot? Is that Or is that stale now? It's... I think this movie might be one of the nails in the coffin. Like, when a woman makes a movie... Or like, a movie about Wojak, that's pretty much, like, the death sentence. But I've had, like, a good talk. Like, I think that the guys that are participating in this movie, who are all, like, by the way, like, very cautious about it, like, understandably. Um, But the only thing that gives them comfort is that they've already seen that Wojak has been appropriated by, like, mainstream culture to such an extent that, like... It can't, it's like, nothing lasts forever, you know? And, like, mm. 4chan's gone, basically. It's been just taken over by, like, dickheads. And, like, um, Wojak has become so widely proliferated. I mean, he might continue. Here's what's going to happen. People will see the movie. People are going to hate on the movie now. They're gonna. Everyone's going to hate me. The SJWs are going to hate me. The fucking irony bros are going to hate me. But then, you know, it's going to be like decline of Western civilization. All those people probably hated Penelope Spiras for, like, selling out punk music. But, like, now we're happy that we have a document of this moment that's actually authentic. And so, like, later on, people will appreciate it. And, like, I'm old enough to know that, like, um, I don't give a fuck about what people think about me right now. I know that I made something important that's going to be important to people. And maybe... Wojak will now have a longer impact in the long run than he would have had without this film. Hell yeah. I like that. No, I think that is why this movie is really worth watching and why it's going to make a splash is because no one else really wanted to touch it. But it will make Wojak temporarily uncool. But it but it it provides a a second life for him. Like how like Walt Disney got his head frozen or whatever. (laughs) Like it's like we're freezing Wojak's head right now. And, like, maybe in, like, 10 years from now, it'll be safe and cool to bring Wojak back. All right. All right. Good. Good. I want to talk about Camp Out one more time. Sure. Um, so I didn't want to put experts in this movie. I didn't want, like, Angela Nagel sitting there, like, talking about, like, dicks out for Harambe or something. <laughs> like, I, I didn't want any outsiders, like... I wanted this to be an in-group film, and that's why I'm not in the movie, because I'm fundamentally outside of it. And the only way that I could create order out of this was to have somebody like Kompot, who's older than the other guys, who's come out on the other side, and the way that I pitched this to him is that I said, you're the Greek chorus for this film. You're setting the stage, so that when people in the future go back and look at this, you can say, this is the moment we're in. This is the moment in time. You know, and that, that means different things to different people. It's like the internet is going through puberty right now. And like, 
you know, we've got Donald Trump's second term coming up. Like, we've got, like, you know, American culture has been, like, hollowed out by globalism. We've got, like, you know, we've got politically and psychologically homeless young men all over the place who feel totally emotionally disenfranchised. So it's, like, that's what I wanted him there to articulate because, really, if this was another time, that, you know, Compot would be a professor, an academic or like a theologian, but there's not any room for him to be himself. Uh, so I wanted to create a space where he could at least sort of be himself. Although I showed him the film and he was like, uh, yeah, but um, we're not talking about books or philosophy that much. Like, why would you make a movie with me in it? And I'm not like just talking about books and philosophy the whole time, but he's performed a great service for this film. So whatever anyone's negative shit is about Campot, like, just know that he really is, like, a really lovable, um, cuddly teddy bear. Uh, he and I have had a kind of on and off or sorry. Hot, and, hot and cold relationship. Sorry, KB. I really, I really appreciated his presence in the movie. I, I like what he, what he, you know, contributed to it. One of the things that I thought was really striking about the movie was that these um, young men who you profile, who represent this kind of very alienated type of young, extremely online Are they, man, though? Are they alienated? Well, that's how we originally kind of described the the larger characteristics. Are they vol cell or are they incel? Mm. <laughs> well, okay, here's what I was going to say, though, uh, which speaks to this point, is that what was striking is they were actually, many of them were relatively quite handsome. Uh, many of them were quite articulate. And you start to wonder halfway through the movie, you kind of wonder, is the desperation that they kind of uh, evoke in their tweets and on their posting, you know, the sad posting you referred to, it's very catastrophic and desperate stuff, right? Like, my life is so terrible, should I kill myself right now? This kind of, this type of stuff is what they post about. But then you look at them and, and you're kind of like, well, you seem, you don't seem that bad at all. Like, you're, you're, you seem fairly handsome, you seem pretty articulate, you have your whole life ahead of you, and you kind of wonder, you almost start to wonder, is the, is the extreme kind of uh, desperation and alienation that they evoke, is it, how much of it is performative and how much of it is, is deeply felt? You don't get to know. And that's mm. the point. That's the point of irony culture. Like where, like, like Vidi says in the movie, like where the irony ends and the sincerity begins, like that's the power. Mm. And like, you know, when Charlie got in trouble and the New York Times called to do an interview and I was like, all right, sorry, bro, but I'm going on this, this call with you, like, cause otherwise you're going to get like decimated. Um, here, let me tell the audience real quick, the story you're referring to go for it. halfway through the movie. One of the people who's being profiled, the young man, Charles, uh, gets arrested for not arrested. Oh, not arrested. Gets in trouble to some degree. He got red flagged. He got red flagged, uh, because at the time when the Joker film came out, he posted a selfie of him, uh, with two machine guns, one in one in each hand, AK forty uh, sevens, saying saying two tickets for Joker, please, or something like that. Uh, popular meme, yes, popular meme. Uh, but he got, he got taken in for that, and so that's I'm just giving the background for the story that you're telling. Go on, right. So, what happened with that was, you know, I would say anybody who's doing anything interesting on the internet has an FBI file on them, including you, by the way, probably. Um, Although people, these 4chan people think I'm a fed. They all call me a fed, but. Um, I and don't, I don't you very well may be. <laughs> Come on, Alex. Where the know. irony ends and the sincerity begins. I thought we knew each other now. I thought we we're bros. 
Okay, it's okay. Uh, Go on. You don't have to. You don't have to trust me. I don't. I don't care. Tr- I'm beyond trust right. at this point. Um, what happened was they'd been sitting on a file of of tweets from Charles about committing violence, just regular irony cell shit. Yeah. Um, and they'd been sitting on it for years. Like the tweets were from 2016, so he was way ahead of the incel curve. Um, as far as I'm concerned, but if they, but then ultimately they needed to stir up some shit for the Joker, like heads needed to roll for the Joker, right? It's this whole media thing. Like Mm. they actually literally wanted people to get shot. Um, and like awesomely, the only news that came out of it was that Charles posted an old photo of him holding two AKs and it says, uh, Two tickets to the Joker, please, which is, of course, you know, whatever. Everyone yeah. knows what that is. Who's cool? But um, then the cops came and they confiscated, you know, all of his multiple firearms. So um, that was, you know, for me, I was like, oh, his right. So then the news came and the news published his name. They did a news story about how he... They basically provided all these tweets. They'd been sitting on it. If they really thought he was so dangerous, they would have gone and gotten him long before. But they kind of waited for this Joker moment. Who knows why? Um, that came from on high. But, like, uh, you know, he was just most concerned about getting the guns back. And I was like, well, fuck, dude. What about your, like, rights? Like, they showed your house, and they said your last name on TV, and they put it in the news, which typically you're not supposed to do unless somebody's been convicted of a crime. Anyway... Do you think maybe in 10 years you could do, like, a TFW2 where you, like, check up on all these guys and see how I don't think I ever want to think about this shit ever again. (laughs) Really? Well, yeah, especially after what's... I mean, I don't know for sure, and I don't want to, like... I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. But, I mean, I'll get... I know what I'm tampering with. I know that people, like, Mm. in that world, like, there are fucked up people. You know, if you're a woman and you make a movie about this, like... It's, it might not work out that good for you. And, like, people on the left, like, they're, they assume that I'm liberal. And it's not that I'm not liberal. Like, but, like, I don't know. I'm just, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to make sense of it. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not something bad. Like, it could be bad for me. Not And bad not in a way that... You know, if I was more of, like, a confrontational person who liked to get in Twitter fights with people and who liked trouble and who liked to fight and who wanted to be an influencer, I don't want any of that. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to make a movie about something I thought was cool. And presumably, after doing a long documentary on something, spending all this time on a particular subculture, presumably you just want to move on to something else. Well, I don't want to be the Lorax for incels. (laughs) So let's just clarify that right now. Um, I, I just want people to watch the movie and see that, you know... This this isn't this is not a new like there are new components of course like the internet blah 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 but like this is an old story this is just about being young and finding your place in the world and like you know being really smart and not having anywhere to put it and finding a place to put it and then as it turns out like that's a dangerous they have more power than um, the mainstream media wants them to have. And that's really why they've been demonized because they are powerful. Mm. Mm. By doing the movie, have you at all kind of uh, moved further into this kind of subspace of society more yourself? Like, do you identify with it more? Do you kind of see yourself as 
us closer to it or no? Closer to what? The people that you interview, the the people that you've you've moved around and 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 uh, brought into your movie. Do you has has it changed you? Well, yeah, I would, it changes you in the way that doing anything for fucking three years and like like fighting every people on every possible front to make them believe that it's worthwhile. Like when I started doing this movie, I I didn't have a way to explain to you know the people I know in Hollywood, you know what this movie was about and it was pretty alienating for me you know to be like for people to go yeah that's not a thing and then it's almost like as soon as people started to like learn from all these like hype pieces about incels and shit because we need more shit to be afraid of like then all of a sudden ironically like I got some traction and then people were interested and then they wanted me to make the movie about like investors wanted me to make the movie about how they were dangerous or they wanted me to put myself in the movie as like a woman and like be virtue signaling about it. And mm -hmm. like, like, you know, I'm doing a podcast right now, but I'm doing it for the movie and I'm doing it for them. And I don't want there to be any confusion about like where my loyalties are because my loyalties are with my friends and I don't think of them as incels. I just think of them as like smart people who like deserve to be heard. Yeah. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's interesting. Were they your friends when you started or you no? No, they thought I was a fed. Like <laughs> they they thought I was, you know, I mean it was no, I had to build some trust, you know, and yeah. like that you know, and I really honored by their trust. And have all the people in the movie, uh, presumably they've seen the movie now in full? Well, that's another thing I did. Like some of the conventional, well, all the conventional wisdom I got from other documentary filmmakers was uh don't don't share your work with your subjects because that's that's bad you don't do that but you got to know the rules to break the rules and i my most my highest priority on this was authenticity and like i'm not i'm not in my mind i'm not as cool as them right like and i don't need to be cool i'm a grown woman right like i know i'm cool Nobody can take that away from me. Like, it doesn't matter if fucking 4chan dudes think I'm cool or not. But I did want it to be authentic because I think there's a vacuum of authenticity in films right now. And I think that's the only reason why this movie has gotten as much um, positive feedback as it's gotten. That being said, it's an absolute fucking miracle that it got in a South by Southwest. And um, I'm really excited for people to come and see it because um they're not gonna there's not anything else like it and it's not because i'm some fucking genius i'm just a conduit for brilliant people who are already just being brilliant they just don't have a platform that's off the internet well there's definitely nothing else like it because if you try to google about incels or and i know the movie's not just about incels but you try to understand what's really going on uh behind the scenes of uh, this type of subculture and it's incredibly hard to find anything. So I think what you're, what you're saying is technically true. That's because it's not, not much else. that's because nobody knows what the fuck they're talking about. It's like, a, it's a media. It's just, it's just another, it's just some shit that they made up. Like, yes, there are people that like don't fuck as much as they want to, but like, you know, it's not really, it's not about that. It's not about having sex. It's about feeling psychologically homeless in the mo in the modern 
society in which we live. That's that's what it's about. And mm-hmm. it's about people creating their own space on the internet for that. Right it's on. a movie about the internet. I know that you've done a lot of your work in editing over the past few years. You told me this has been kind of the, the mainstay of your professional life for some time. But uh, have you always wanted to do documentaries? Um, I've, I've always wanted to be a filmmaker, uh, but when I was growing up, that seemed like so like far-fetched and unrealistic. And, uh, you know, my parents just wanted me to like pursue like realistic things, which ultimately was useful. But, you know, it's not like I went to film school. Um, I basically got my start in the music world and making music videos. Um, and, you know, my whole you know, my, my only educational basis was like a weekend class that I took at the Apple store in <laughs> 2004 mm. on Final Cut. And then I basically from there just uh, produced a, a lot of directed some music videos and um, learned how to edit that way. And so with my work, whether, well, especially in editing, I guess only in editing, but uh my whole foundation is in music videos and I feel like that's kind of readily observable whether you watch like the new radical or, or this movie, like, you know, the music is, is, is sort of front and center, which is why I had, uh, John mouse and Ariel pink, you know, they were, uh, generous enough to, um, contribute their work to this movie. And especially, especially Ariel who, um, did the original score for the movie, which is like something that I knew I wanted to happen before I even started making the movie. So how did you get hooked up with those guys in the first place? Um, I, I, when I first got, to, well, I kind of collect freaks um, throughout my life. And um, it's been of great benefit to me. And I mean, this movie is even about me collecting freaks and I include myself among them, even though that sounds like really corny, like, whatever I don't care uh but Ariel I met when I first got to LA just because he was at parties that I was going to and I was such a huge fan of his and we hit it off right away because we're both like kind of intense like emotive uh people and I did some work for him I've done a couple music videos with him I did a short film that he starred in that I never released because it ended up being a disaster um maybe what, it'll see the light of what day what's that about tell me that, tell me that uh it's a story well what was the, the short film about yeah um it's a story about a guy who gets dumped by his girlfriend it's a it's a short film okay so it's basically a, an alcoholic down and out guy who has been dumped by his girlfriend who makes up a lie that he's dying in order to get the attention of his ex-girlfriend and the movie is basically a um a just it's sort of like a link ladder-esque exchange in a bar where she shows up and he basically lies about having cancer or dying and then it the movie transitions into like a <clears throat> walker brothers-esque uh Busby Berkeley style so musical what, number. What went so terribly wrong that it didn't? Uh, we didn't do the Busby Berkeley style esque <laughs> musical number. Scott, uh, we never got to that because Ariel released Pom Pom right after that, and then he was pretty much um, off the grid. But uh, 
we did get the first dramatic half of the movie and he has some acting chops, although I think he was traumatized enough from that experience to where he's not acting anymore. Mm. But he and I have remained very close and um, he's pretty based. He's like a really based dude. Um, uh, you know, he, if you haven't listened to the Ariel Pink episode of uh, CompBot's uh, podcast, uh, Tech Wars, I strongly recommend that you check that out because you think you know Ariel Pink, but, you know, he might be one of the only human beings that's really accessing their, like, full alien brain potential. Mm. And he understands this movie very well. And without his music and John's music, um, I, it would, it, I don't know what this movie would be like. Yeah, their musical styles definitely suffuse the film. It's, it's, it's very strong feeling. John Mouse sort of inadvertently, you know, stumbled into being sort of an incel slash irony bro slash former alt-right icon by his association with Sam Hyde, who has not uh, yet endorsed this film despite being forwarded the film multiple times. And I suggest that anyone with a connection to Sam Hyde should be... Um, encouraging him to endorse this film because that's the highest uh, possible um, incel irony bro endorsement that I could receive. Wait, what's the connection between John Mouse and Sam Hyde? Well, you never saw the World Peace episode where John Mouse sings Hey Moon and is a co-star on the show? No, I've never seen it. Well. So do they know each other IRL or what's the connection? Uh, well, you need to go watch that episode. Right. And of well. course, Sam Hyde was famously canned from Adult Swim. By the efforts of some uh, famous uh, sketch comedian, experimental comedians that will remain nameless. I will only mention their first names, <laughs> which are Tim and Eric. <laughs> and um, he basically like was one of the first people to get canceled for being based. Right. So shout out to Sam Hyde. So are you a fan of Sam Hyde's? I wouldn't say I'm a fan because he's... A little bit too belligerent for me. I'm a woman, right? So it's like any woman that's like, like, oh yeah, Sam hides my shit. Like they're really just saying that as like an orb, as like maybe like an orbiting position. I mean, that might be like a controversial thing to say, but like, no one, like, I get it. And he really harnesses the energy of this fucking group of people, like in a way that like snuck itself into the mainstream. But Sam, but John Malice, like totally unknowingly, like sort of became associated with these people. And, you know, he's a very private person um, and reclusive person, which adds to his mystique. Um, so he probably didn't appreciate that. And that's why I feel really honored that he has agreed to be a part of this film and contributed to this film, um, despite his uh, tr trauma from uh, his Sam Hyde affiliation. So are they not uh, connected anymore? Well, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. But I, n neither of them is stupid or disingenuous. So I think that, you know, people don't really want all the trouble. But I don't think that, you know, John Mouse is, uh, is highly intelligent. He's not so mentally limited where he is going to take other people's reactions to his affiliation with Sam Hyde and internalize them in a way where he's like, he doesn't like Sam Hyde. I think he just didn't want the trouble maybe because he's a private person. Right on, right on. But they love him online. And it was so, that's why it was so cool to have him be a part of this movie because, you know, he's well-respected within 
the community. So okay, but Sam Hyde has not endorsed your movie yet, but you're waiting for that. I don't give a f- I don't give a shit. He doesn't have to fucking endorse okay. it. I don't care. He's doing his own thing. Right on. So how long have you been in LA again? I've been here since 2011. Right. So sometime, and I've only been here for one week. <laughs> but one thing that you already want to move here, right? I don't know. I mean, it is pretty dope. It's great that people hate it. That's the best part. Well, it is. It definitely has this weird kind of like paradise vibe. It's like very sunny and beautiful trees. And I like, I do like that. Satan? Yeah. But it also has this feeling of kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah before the, before divine retribution falls down upon it. You know, it's like, it's very cool. It's very nice. It's like, but I I don't know the circulation of, of money, fame and power feels uh, kind of so, uh, so kind of late stage terminal status. Right. I don't know. Well, in some ways, I wish that it was more of like the satanic place that everybody <laughs> in like the conservative community or like the like calf Twitter community or the, the you know, alt woke people think it is uh, because really it's a tr- it's a really buttoned up and repressed place. Really? But uh, yeah, because everybody is so image conscious here and so afraid of I mean, this is like the home of media. Um. But one of the interesting byproducts of that has been that there are a lot of artists here. And in that repressed environment, like, I mean, it's still a major metropolis. And so I think it is sort of witnessing a little bit of an intellectual renaissance just because people are so hungry for something that's not vapid, which is why you're here at such a critical moment and why your event tomorrow night will hopefully be a success. Yeah. And I, th- I think it will be, but this won't come out until after that. So if the event sucks, just <laughs> cut this part out of the thing. So is it hard being a based person like yourself in L.A.? Like you're definitely not the typical like L.A. like babe, you know. Uh, is, it, is it hard or is it, or is in it some better? Ways is I it am, better? Well, I mean, in some ways I am typical, you know, in some ways I am and oh, in yeah. some ways I'm not. And But you're not like bleach blonde, like SJW girl trying to like climb some ladder. You're clearly mm-hmm. off on your own uh, line of flight, if you will. Yeah, but it wasn't like, I just got lucky, you know, like I spent a lot of years trying to dumb myself down. Like before I lived here, I lived in New York and I mean, I was just a generic like hipster, like girl that like did like DJ parties and stuff like no offense to like my girlfriends that are doing that because actually they're getting there. I think everybody's getting a little bit smarter. I I was lucky enough where I got exposed to some more broader ways of thinking that sort of activated an intelligence that I didn't really know that I had. And I think that a lot of people have it and that they just haven't really been activated yet. And one of the cool things about this movie is that we had a screening here and it had a lot of, like, you know, normie people, like, regular, like, you know, CNN, fucking Trevor Noah-ass people that were there. And, you know, there's a lot of, sc- when you work in Hollywood, there's a lot of screenings. You get invited to screenings. You go, and then afterwards you get in your car and you leave, and, you know, you pat your friend on the back, whoever made the movie, and you leave. But at our movie, we had people standing out front of the theater talking for, like, an hour about this movie. And, like, people that have worked on this film... Like, it's not that, like, they're all, like, based and red-pilled now, but um, it's, it's they're thinking about things in a different way, and they're seeing things in, 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 a, in a broader spectrum than they were before. Right. And that's, I think, happening in L.A. So. Especially. Are there any 
tricks or tips you've picked up along the way on how to how to force through a really independent creative vision, especially when that's somewhat politically incorrect or or at the very least doesn't really fit the mold of what is politically desirable at the time to force it through the kind of, uh, ho- you know, the Hollywood urban kind of expectations that you're that you're forcing it through? Yeah, I think it's uh, honesty and authenticity. And, you know, that's not to say that when I talk about this movie, I talk about it differently depending on who I'm talking to and all things can be true at once. You know, like when this film got accepted to South by Southwest, the the head of the festival wrote me, said, this is such a powerful story. This is so sad. And I was thinking, oh, that's funny because it's sad to you, Mm. but it's maybe hopeful to other people. Yeah, I didn't think it was sad. Yeah. And and then, you know, but I think it's all about like if you make something authentic and honest and you don't tell people how to feel. Because everything is so, everyone's got this agenda and everyone's virtue signaling and blah, blah, blah. But if you if you just sort of like show it how it really is, it leaves room for, and you don't fucking insert yourself and insert your fucking opinions, people will project what they want onto it. And what I wanted out of this movie was for people to feel like they were in the room and feel like they were in on the joke. Because, you know, yeah, I'll go ahead and I'll admit if it's going to help get investment in the movie or sell the movie or you know there's gonna have to be different talking points for different people I'm being really candid right now Mm -hmm. but like those things aren't not true Mm -hmm. so you know but I've shown this movie to like my zoomer friends and like they think the whole movie is just a fucking troll and like they're just laughing the whole time and I'm like well maybe 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 we are trolling Mm -hmm. I don't know it's again that thing it's like what do you what, what do you want it what do you want it to mean so you always wanted to be a filmmaker, but you didn't always you didn't necessarily have a particular drive to do documentaries. You just happened to be find your, finding yourself doing a documentary. How did that ha- how did that come about? Um, well, I spent a lot of years like I've been editing since. All right, hold on. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, I spent a lot of years, like I said, I didn't go to film school. I didn't have any connections. I came here from New York, like when I was working. When I was working in New York, I was working in edit houses, but I was always, like, the piece of ass secretary or, like, the studio assistant. Like, nobody really, like, let me, like, do anything. But I picked up a lot. Um, And then here I was able to kind of just sort of reinvent myself. But what happened was I answered a Craigslist ad uh, for a teaser for a skateboarding film directed by Adam Bala Lowe, who is the executive producer of this film. And... I cut a teaser for a movie that he hadn't made yet for 500 bucks. And he liked it so much that he hired me to be the editor on the film. And I was the editor on that film. And then subsequently he got into more interesting work and he eventually uh, came to me with the new radical. Um, And he had had another editor, a very famous editor named Jay Rabinowitz who edited eight mile and Requiem for a dream um, who was working on it. But the problem was they were focus grouping it to people and they were saying, uh, this guy, Cody Wilson, uh, nobody likes this fucking guy. Like, we're not going to be able to sell this movie. Can you, we need a woman. And it's very savvy. They were like, we need somebody to make this person more likable. And, you know, I basically took the movie over and, you know, I, I was like, it's not really about making him more likable. It's more just about, like, showing him in an honest way. 
in like a 3D, 4D way of what he's actually like. And what you said before in the conversation was that it, it was editing the Cody Wilson movie that you uh, essentially got red pilled in a way. Like I was already red pilled from. <laughs> I mean, but I don't fuck like fuck no, that I, word. I know, dude. I know, I know. <laughs> like, but 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 yeah, it names something everyone. Yeah, is a and thing, it's the right? cycle of cringe, right? Like it's cringe, and then like you know, it's the cringe becomes cool because it is cringe. Who fucking knows? But I'm the important thing is I got to know Cody through that. He introduced me to a lot of new ways of thinking, and like he can't take all the credit for it because I've I've I I've been like. I feel like I've been an outsider my whole life. I feel like I've been an edgelord my whole life. Like, I was thrown out of every school that I went to. Sometimes, like, I didn't even really know why. Tell me a story about how you got thrown out of school. Tell me the best one. Oh, well, there's so many good ones. But, I don't have anywhere else to be, so. So, the first time I got thrown out of school was because I was going to, I went to Catholic school my whole life, too. Um, and I moved every two years growing up. So I went to a different school almost every year. So I was the new kid everywhere. So I didn't really, people didn't really, when you're in like the sixth grade or, you know, you're in upstate New York and kids are like, you know, smoking weed and like listening to Nirvana. And then you go out to the West coast, kids in the sixth grade are listening to like in sync and like holding hands and shit. <laughs> so like, that's just the way it works. It's just different. So uh, I came from the, the, the former school. I was like, you know, a bad, I was like a bad goth girl. And I, and I, you know, I ditched school and the kids were like, well, what do you mean you're ditching school? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not going to school. Like I'm going to go fucking smoke cigarettes behind Vons. Anyone else want to go? And like 20 fucking kids went with me and smoked cigarettes behind Vons. And then I got thrown out for inciting students. <laughs> That's Another time, one. and, like, now we complain, like, parents complain. They're like, oh, my kid's, like, you know, if you would have been a trans kid when I was going to school, like, you would have just been expelled immediately. I mean, I got thrown out of school for wearing black lipstick. So for all the Zoomers out there who think that, like, that shit was, like, a long time ago, I'm here to tell you, like, there was no, like, we all romanticize, like, goth girls now. Being a goth girl when I was growing up was just, like, I mean, I got beat up by boys, and teachers didn't do anything about uh. it. So this is in upstate New York. I mean, this is boomer, boomerism at its fucking fullest. But like <laughs> the second time there was a bomb threat that got called into my high school and I didn't call on the bomb threat, but I was eating donuts out of a donut box. I drew a picture of a bomb and we put it in a urinal in the boys bathroom <laughs> and like and then we came back out at lunch and the bomb squad was there. And um, <laughs> I, I, I immediately went. There's been a misunderstanding here. <laughs> I'm going to go clear this up. There's dogs. There's guys in a bomb suit. I was like, well, it's fucking far out. But <laughs> I went and I went to the principal's office and I and I don't know, like, this is my Catholic guilt or whatever the fuck it is. But I went to the office and I was like, um, guys, there's been a misunderstanding. There's no bomb. I just, I was just doing it. I did it as a goof. <laughs> I did it as a goof. And they arrested me on the spot. Whoa. And then Columbine happened while I was suspended. Whoa. And I was subsequently um, expelled from my school. Wow, expelled. That yeah. was what, what year, what age? And if my dad sees this, he'll remember that day very well. What grade is that? High school? What grade? This was my sophomore year of high school. It was the same week as Columbine. Damn, straight up expelled. That's brutal. I got, I got expelled multiple times. 
Wow. Well, at least it was before Columbine. It would have been. Well, it was three than... days before. And I was suspended watching Columbine. I was like, this isn't going to work out that good for me. <laughs> but it yeah. worked out great because then I didn't have to go to that fucking school anymore. And get... I got to go to art school for the rest of the time I oh, was in really? school. Because those are the only people that would take me. So you, what, how did you graduate high school? You got like a GED or what? I got a 3.5 grade average. That's how. How did you get like your high school diploma though? If you got expelled? That's right. B plus. Um, what's, how did I... I didn't get a GED. I finished high school because my parents raised me. Okay, but I thought if you got expelled, what happens after you get you expelled? You just have to go to another school. Oh, okay. You don't get expelled forever. I mean, a lot of times you can't go anywhere else in the school district, but, like, they're not, like, people get expelled all the time. So you, you just went to a, a different school and it was a better school? I got expelled like from a school? private school. Okay. So then I had to go to, like, a, this is so boring. No, this is interesting. I had to go to a public school, but it had a performing arts magnet. Right on. So I tried my hand at that for a few years. Awesome. So, okay, so fast forward many years. Here you are in Los Angeles where you live now. You've been living here for a few years. Is is Los Angeles based or cringe? Both. I've heard it on good information now from a few sources. Since I've been here for one week, I've had a lot of meetings with people. And the vibe I get from a few people is that L.A. is kind of on the up and up for particularly for kind of weird, creative, intellectual types of people. When I, came, when I came to L.A. from New York, I lived in New York for 10 years before I came here. And when I left New York, people were like, oh, God. And these are all fucking, like, hipster, you know, my hipster, who gives a shit, like, whatever. <laughs> Those people told me, don't go there, it's not cool. But they weren't, don't go there, it's not cool because it's woke or because there's homeless people they were just thinking of like you know brad on the cell phone in malibu the whole time because they all grew up in like the reagan era and shit and that's all they were thinking about but to me like i was like i'd rather be in a place where there's like it's where i want to be where the only other artists and people i know are like in the minority because that's like way more powerful now what if you're into politically incorrect shit kind of like you are um, is LA a place where you can make it doing like big things in a politically incorrect Why way? Why am I no? politically incorrect? Oh, I, I, I don't mean that in any particularly profound That's so way. It's such a 90s mindset. Well, I just mean this movie is very off the radar. It's off the hinges of what's kind of politically uh, palatable at the moment. What's not palatable about it? Well, you put incels in a fairly favorable light. Which I think is badass and what why the movie's so interesting and provocative and worth watching. But it as you've alluded to in this conversation, at many points along the way, you've gotten big wigs who want you to water it down in this way or water it down in that way. Uh, and so I'm just curious, do you think for other people who are pursuing some sort of uh, creative career but maybe have interests or creative visions that are, you know, significantly out of line with what's politically most attractive at the moment, um, is LA a place where you, you can, it's, it's still worth trying to come out here and make it in that way? Um, I think, I can't speak for that because I think that the internet has equalized a lot of that shit. The mm -hmm. reason that I'm in LA is because I'm a filmmaker. And unless you are a truly established filmmaker, it's very expensive and inconvenient for you to be anywhere else. So I am here purely out of right. necessity, but... It doesn't hurt that the sun shines here 365 days a year. And yes, like I said, because of it's the flip side of that vapidity and that kind of uh, the superficial, like the buttoned up and like the wokeness and the self-consciousness. And it's like, it's funny, like people here, it's like, it's, it's like you, it's like, you're like, 
you're not politically correct, but it's like people like the movie across the board. They're not afraid of what they think about the movie. They're afraid of like this specter of this faceless person who's not going to approve of them thinking it's okay. So right now we're still all living under this umbrella of like being afraid of this like specter of this person who's going to can't, it's the cancel culture thing, right? It's the big other. Yeah. Which is why I have so many canceled people working on this film is because I'm also taking a stand about that because oh, really? I don't. So you're like employing canceled people too? There are multiple canceled people involved in this film right and <laughs> um, some of them are working under pseudonyms, but I think that it's not that I think that people should be able to like just like recklessly like do bad things like when I think about like the Me Too movement and stuff I think that people this film is genuinely a good project which is and it's a love it's this is so fucking corny but like this is all about love like this is all about humanity that's what this project's about so people should be allowed to do good things not just be punished for bad things hell yeah cool so uh, assuming your movie hits and has a huge splash and makes you mega famous, what's next for you? Well, first of all, I don't think that many people become famous from making like a, a documentary about like 4chan dudes or Twitter dudes or whatever. Okay. So I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I'm mostly fucking around. I just want to be able to make another project after this. I don't know what that's going to be because it's been... It still is really hard work even to try and roll out this film um, and do it in a way that's inclusive and, like, you know, not to my detriment. So I'm sort of fully focused on that, but I have some ideas. Yeah, I guess there's a, you're, it's, it's a bit of a predicament with these types of projects where if the movie is really big and if you, if you were to get famous, like, a lot of the online people would call you a grifter or and like be upset with you and you're gonna right? you're gonna do that anyway yeah. and i'm not gonna get famous like no, i might I, yeah. you know i'll be lucky if i get half the amount of attention as fucking anna Kachian or something like <laughs> to me that's that'll be famous like and i honestly like i don't really want that much attention i don't really want to make it about me i just want the subject matter to break through to everybody and and not just fucking edgelords and not just normies like i just i just want people to watch it and and take it at face value and it's not about me and it's it's not even about the people in the movie it's about that it's about what's happening in in this country it's about it's a time capsule it's a document that's all i wanted i think it'd be it's very clear throughout this conversation that that's essentially what you're motivated by and you're not you know you know it's not about me. You're not. Yeah, that's very clear. I don't think you have to. You don't have to defend yourself at all from that accusation. Of, although, of course, as you know, everyone throws that accusation at anyone who's even moderately successful. I'm certainly not accusing you of that. I think it, it, it's very clear in this conversation that uh, you're genuinely motivated by basically just trying to reveal in an honest, authentic way um, a particular slice of uh, contemporary subcultures that don't get enough airtime. Yes, and I cannot really overstate how grateful I am to the people who were brave enough, but also smart enough to support this film, contribute to this film. Like, uh, you know, I might be like the main creative force on it, but it would have been like totally impossible without all these people 
um, who have come out and supported me on this. Um, and that includes people who, who, you know, might be considered normie or might be considered like right wing, like it's all over the board. And like, to me, that's really special is that it's something that people can kind of unite around and identify with. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for welcoming me to LA and being cool to me and hanging out with me and doing my podcast. Thank you for um, interviewing me for the first time ever. It makes me feel really validated. Oh, <laughs> of course. It's my Cut honor. that. Cut that line, too. No, no. Thank you. Hey, you were just telling us about authenticity. Thank and you. And, like, you're doing a good deed. And I hope that you just continue to, like, ascend because you've got, like, so much hustle. And, like, you're doing the right thing. And, like, people like us, like, 2020 is going to be the year of, like intellectual and humanitarian awakening i really believe that well hell yeah that's awesome well no thank you thank you and the, the privilege is all mine to have you on the podcast it's it's been really fun talking with you getting to know you over the past few days and and now especially but uh no i think you, you know this movie uh, making a movie is a serious effort it's such a gargantuan uh investment of time and energy and money and you've put so much work into making making this movie uh and the people who participated in it so hard and it's like not you know you're it's clearly not something you dreamed up to like please some bigwigs or like make a lot of money or be famous there's it's clearly a very idiosyncratic personal uh a creative vision it's it's obvious you know 20 minutes into the movie that this is not your cookie cutter movie that was basically cooked up in a laboratory to promote your career or to like, uh, you know, get large sums of investment money or something. It's very clear that that this is a real labor of love and a true creative vision that you worked on with many other people. And uh, my hat's off to you because that's, that's increasingly rare today. And so it's my privilege to be talking to you today and having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Bro, why are you simping? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's a perfect place to cut it. See the movie when it comes to your town. There you go. I watched it. Go to South by Southwest. Don't follow me on Twitter. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Alex.